You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. Maybe you can think of it this way. If we say that someone is full of pride, or we say they're full of envy, or let's go positive here, full of joy, what would we mean by that? We would mean that that characterizes their life. They can't get past the envy, or they're just always saying something proud about themselves, or they're full of joy. He's characterized by those things. Being full of the Holy Spirit means you look at a person, you watch a person, you listen to a person, you see how they live. You know what their thoughts are, and you say, that person is full of the Holy Spirit. You could tell. Have you ever watched people go by and wondered about their life? Some things are obvious about a person just by observing them, like a wedding ring on a finger, or mud on work boots, or a business suit in a briefcase. Just by seeing those things, you can at least tell something about a person's life. Pastor Tom teaches us in today's message that when someone's full of the Holy Spirit, you can tell. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Can others look at you and see the evidence of His presence in your life? Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message, Empowered with Power from on High. I know we're not making it far through Acts so far, but we are at least going deep in understanding and contemplating what this few verses, just these few verses mean to this whole new age that we are a part of. And I'll read the first four verses of the book of Acts. Luke writes, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other languages or tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, last time we unpacked the meaning of this foundational work of the Holy Spirit for our age, this age that you and I live in. We are post-Pentecostal believers. We need to remember that. We unpacked what this work was. What is the foundational work that launches the entire church age? What is this foundational work that is bringing the fruition of the new covenant? And the answer is the baptism with the Holy Spirit, not a minor work of Jesus. We looked at how John the Baptist even described the mission of Jesus to come into the world. And we said, you could say the mission of Jesus to come into the world is to save sinners and you would be right. But John said the mission of Jesus was to do something greater than he was able to do. He baptized with water, but Christ was coming and he was able to baptize with a greater element, the Holy Spirit of God. And that was his mission, to come and perform that. That arrival of the Holy Spirit on the Jewish feast of Pentecost, the day chosen by God to illustrate truth, that ushered in the new covenant age. That's why we have the last part of our Bible. We call it the New Testament But the first part of the New Testament is before the new covenant is actually enacted. It's what we call the four gospels in the very beginning of the book of Acts. And we read the actual ratification of that covenant with the stipulation that here comes the spirit now. And the spirit is now placed into our hearts and we're baptized with power from on high. It's the new covenant age. And along with that is the birth of this this entity that the Old Testament knew nothing at all about and prophesies not about at all, and that is the church of Jesus Christ, the church of the Messiah. Every believer in 
Christ that was there was instantly put into a mystical body. We call it the body of Christ. And they were instantly connected in some way we cannot understand to their head in heaven and our head in heaven. And that is Jesus our Lord. And it was all connected in a spiritual way by the arrival of the Spirit. The baptism with the Spirit surrounds us with Christ. Indeed, Paul will write in other places that we are clothed with Christ. Another way of putting it. We are put into the atmosphere of the Spirit, or if you would, the ocean of the Holy Spirit, so that all that we do is done in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We work in the Spirit. We're gifted by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought us many gifts because He Himself is the gift of God to us. This work of the Holy Spirit was never done in any age before, and we talked about that before. With the dawning of the age of the Spirit came new and greater ministries of the Holy Spirit of God that you and I are to understand, and you and I are to latch hold of, and you and I are to learn to use. Today it is our privilege to explore that ocean of the Spirit, so to say, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. We cannot possibly cover all of the ministries the New Testament says the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. That would be a much longer series. But today I want you to consider four more ministries. The baptism of the Spirit is that foundational ministry, but built off of that and coming along with that are four more ministries of the Spirit. And I want to lay them out for you today as post-Pentecost believers so you can be encouraged in your relationship to the Holy Spirit. And the first is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And you've been waiting for us to get to this because it mentions it in verse 4, does it not? Look at verse 4. Zero in on that verse and you'll see there it is. It actually mentions it in the text. And they were all, and there it is, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak, you see. Please note the word all first. There is not supposed to be a a church that is charismatic and a church that is non-charismatic. The whole church is charismatic. If you understand that charismatic means gifted and gifted with the Holy Spirit and gifted with the gifts that the Holy Spirit brought. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Men and women. Women are joint heirs with men in Christ, given all the privileges of the Spirit. They are filled with the Spirit. So please get the connection because we read back in chapter 1, Jesus says you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then you come to chapter 2 and it doesn't say they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a connection there. The baptism with the Spirit brought the fullness of the Spirit. You see that? The instant Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit as he sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty upon his followers, the instant that he doused them with the Holy Spirit, his disciples were then filled with the Spirit. In fact, I'll take it a step further and say this fullness of the Holy Spirit is one of the primary ways God meant for believers in this age to experience the blessedness of the baptism with the Spirit. You don't actually experience the baptism with the Spirit. You experience what happens when you're baptized with the Spirit. And one of those great experiences is fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized us so we could be full of the Spirit, you see. 
That is why, as you read throughout the book of Acts, this fullness of the Holy Spirit is something that Luke will highlight again and again and again. He wants you to see that it wasn't just the believers in Jerusalem, but later the believers here and the believers there. Again, they were filled again, they were filled, and again, they had fullness of the Spirit. He wants you to see that. He documents that in his very accurate historical writing. Just a couple of examples. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, it says, They were all, says all again, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. When you speak the word of God with boldness, by the way, be reminded who empowers you to do that. Acts 13 and verse 52, it says, The disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. Joy and the Holy Spirit. Remember, what comes with the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, right? And the second one is what? Joy, love, joy, peace, patience. Those things come with the Holy Spirit. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You're full of love. And you're full of joy. Luke documents this fullness of the Spirit so that all believers would know that they too should be filled with God's Spirit. Now, this is confirmed for us by doctrinal instruction in the epistles. Remember that we always interpret historical portions of God's Word by the direct teaching of Scripture elsewhere. So we then make sure by that that we're interpreting and reading the history properly. So I want you to turn to the doctrinal portion that will cover the fullness of the Spirit, and that is the book of Ephesians. You keep your finger in Acts, but I want you to turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 5. Flip over there, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5.18. Many of you are familiar with this verse. It's a favorite verse for living the Christian life. It's a great one to memorize if you're looking for one for your children to memorize at home or for you to memorize. How to live the Christian life. It's in this portion of the book of Ephesians where Paul is telling believers how they should walk with God and walk in love and walk according to wisdom and not walk the way the world does. The world cannot teach you how to live. You cannot follow the patterns of the world. They simply do not know how to live. They live in worldliness and they live in shame, but not you. And then he brings up in in verse 18 of chapter 5 this need to be full of the Spirit, and he he writes to believers now, because he knows believers can sin, and he has to tell them, do not get drunk with wine. He says, for that is excess, that is dissipation. God gave you wine, don't be filled with it. Use it in moderation is the point. Don't have excess, but here is a place for you to have excess. Here is a place for you to drink all that you want. Be filled with what? Spirit. Now as you... Study that term, and pneumata, in Ephesians and Paul's writings, you realize it's not talking about the human spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts illustrates the fullness of the Holy Spirit in action, but this is the only place in all of the New Testament where believers are commanded and exhorted and told, be full, be full of the Holy Spirit. What is the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, just as it sounds, it is a person who is greatly influenced by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you can think of it this way. If we say that someone is full of pride, or we say they're full of envy, or let's go positive here, full of joy, what would we mean by that? We would mean that that characterizes their life. They can't get past the envy, or they're just always saying something proud about themselves, or they're full of joy. He's characterized by those things. Being full of the Holy Spirit means you look at a person, you watch a person, you listen to a person, you see how they live, 
you know what their thoughts are, and you say, that person is full of the Holy Spirit. You could tell. It's something you're supposed to be able to tell. Actually, the New Testament uses two different Greek verbs to describe or define the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And those two verbs are related, but they bring out two ways that this fullness works inside of believers. They're both true of us. The first verb, and you don't need to know this, but it's just kind of interesting if you want to do more study on it. The first is pimplani. It's the Greek verb pimplani, and it refers to a, a sudden kind of filling of the Holy Spirit where God all of a sudden fills someone dramatically and instantly to do something, like to speak boldly or to, in this case, speak in foreign languages as we see on the day of Pentecost. Fullness of this kind leads to some action. The Holy Spirit drives him to do something. Paul uses here in Ephesians 5, though, a different Greek verb for fill. It's the verb plerao. This term denotes a continuous, more quiet kind of fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's something that every Christian can and should experience. It appears that you have no control over the pimplamy kind of filling. That's something God will just do dramatically when he wants to move somebody to do something. All that they seem to be doing is they just make themselves available to God and then God fills them. But this kind of fullness, this plerao kind of fullness, is something every Christian can and should experience. It's a fullness that is expressed in a person living in a Christ-like, humble manner. The verb, by the way, is a present command. Why is that important? Because in Greek, when you see a present command, it indicates that the fullness is to be something that is ongoing, not just one time. Oh, I'll be full. Good, I was full. I filled my religious duty, and now I'll move on to not being full. No, the idea is to continuously be full of the Spirit. In in fact, it might be better translated this way. Keep being full of the Holy Spirit. Or be being full of the Holy Spirit. Plerao describes a permeating influence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. The whole being of a person is saturated with the Spirit. You might think of a sponge that's full of water. This Greek verb, for example, is used in Acts 13.52 where it records they were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. One who is full of the Holy Spirit, the way Paul means here in Ephesians 5, is one who reflects well the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is characterized by the Spirit of Jesus in him, and you can tell. Because the Spirit of Jesus is in him, and you can just tell. Is that the kind of person you want to be? I think part of the problem of not being full of the Spirit is that people don't really want to be like Christ. They say they do, but they don't really want to do the things that are necessary to be like Christ. Too many, I'm afraid, are full of themselves. You hear it in the way they talk about themselves. You hear about the way they brag in backhanded kind of ways about themselves and their children and their job and their accomplishments and their education. Even sometimes the way people present themselves, you can tell they're just full of themselves, not Christ, not the Spirit of Jesus. Too many are full of their own agendas. They're not willing to follow the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we should want for ourselves to be so in tune with the Spirit of Jesus who is sent into the world that He characterizes the way we think. He characterizes our priorities, our actions. You can tell 
you are full of the Spirit. You can. You can actually tell. When you're full of the Spirit, you know it. You know you couldn't possibly be generating that kind of love and that kind of joy and that kind of peace. I mean, you know yourself. And you know what yourself produces. And you know how you always go to anxiety and how you always get angry at people and how you always, you know the flesh. I mean, you're familiar with the flesh. Like the back of your hand, you know. The Spirit comes and you're like, where did that come from? Well, now you know the answer too. It did not come from you. When you affectionately talk about Jesus, when you love Christ, you can't wait to talk about Christ. You're excited to share Jesus with some sinner. Just give me a sinner to share the Lord with. You look forward to fellowshipping with other people that are like Jesus, not ready to run home from church. You want to be like the last guy here or continue the blessing at someone's home. You know I want to be with the people of Jesus and I want to talk about Jesus. Now you know you are full of the Spirit of Jesus. Please notice in verse 18, the filling of the Holy Spirit is in sharp contrast with what? Drunkenness. Drunkenness. You ever been drunk? Don't answer that. The sharp contrast comes out with the word but, Allah in Greek. It's a strong contrast. It's really a contrast between two states of being. The state of being drunk with wine, and it doesn't have to just be wine. I mean, obviously, that's representative of, of all the fleshly things you could be drunk with or high on, right? The state of being drunk with wine, which dulls your senses and actually makes you weak. Don't believe the commercials. And then contrasting the state of being full with God's Spirit. What does that do? It sharpens you. It strengthens you. Your spiritual insight is just heightened. You see the world better. You're alert. You're ready and poised to do what you need to do, even when your body's tired. It's amazing. That's what we should want. There's really no contrast. You've experienced the two. There's no contrast. There's no competition. Being full of God's Spirit. Never go back to the other. Why would one go back to the other? How can we then be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we noted before that the verb be filled is in the present tense, but it's also a passive verb. That's strange. It's not an active verb. An active verb would be when someone tells you run and jump. That's something you would do. A passive verb describes action that is done to you. Not actions you perform, actions that are performed to you. Paul is not telling us, go down there and fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, rather, let yourself be full of the Holy Spirit. You see? That's what a passive command is. The Holy Spirit's poised and ready to do the action. The blockade is you. In fact, both verbs in verse 18 are in the passive. Don't give yourself to drunkenness. When you drink... You're doing the thing that allows you to be, let it take over your body. And then it takes over your mind and you get slurred and all the rest of that. It does the action inside of you. It overtakes your senses. Don't do that, but give yourself to being filled by God's Spirit. Let the Spirit permeate you, your thinking, your aspirations, your emotions, your life. So this is really a command about yielding to the action of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit have the right of way. The Holy Spirit wants to. It's His desire to fill you, 
but you stand in the way because you have not yet yielded. You've told the Holy Spirit, thus far and no more. We are to yield like the yield signs on the road. You do yield to the yield signs out on the road, I hope. Give the right of way in your life, in your daily decisions, in your life ambitions to God Almighty, not to you. You're the problem, you see. You and I are the problem. You and I have to yield our will. Wasn't Christ the example of this? Not my will be done, but thine, yes? What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ, I'll put it this way, gets his way inside of me. He lives inside of me. Quit trying to take control of your life. You don't have control of it anyway. Quit trying to run your own life. Quit trying to steer your life where you want it to go and keep Jesus there in the back seat. Get out of the driver's seat. He steers a lot better. God said when he comes to your life, he must be Lord of your life or he cannot guide you and he cannot save you. You can't negotiate with God and say, I will do this if you will do that. He is Lord and master and king. You bow before him and say, what does my Lord want me to do? He must be Lord of your desires. This is where confession of sin should be coming out in your heart and mind. You know what you've held on to. You know what you're clinging on to. The Holy Spirit is even testifying inside your mind and heart. This is what I'm still clinging to. And it won't work with God. You will never, never be full of the Holy Spirit until you surrender that, whatever the that is. Trust me, I know. There are things you want to hang on to. God will work on you and work on you till you let it go. Let it go. Don't resist his sanctification. Why would you do that? Because you enjoy your sin? Because that's got you where? He wants to transform you. You say you're afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust him. Even if it's painful. Say, I don't want pain. It's going to be a lot more pain if you try to resist. Don't set your will against Almighty God. You're going to lose. That's why he's called Almighty. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or the mule. Don't be stubborn as a mule. Be teachable. Open the scriptures. Get the pen out or your electronic device. Start taking notes. Start saying, this is what I want to focus on. Think about what you're reading. Think about what you're hearing. Make application. Make changes. Spirit of God, show me what I need to see here. Where am I blinded? Where am I not looking at this situation properly? I can't seem to overcome these desires. You take over. And then be obedient to what he tells you to do. Don't just sit there passively. Get up and do what he tells you to do in the word. Bend to the Spirit of God. Bend to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will fill you. It works for you just like it works for anybody else. All 120 or whatever were there, all of them, 
Do you know what personality they had? Were some of them shy? I'm sure they were. Were some of them uh, not as dedicated as others? I'm sure that was true. Were some of them not as knowledgeable? Were some of them more feeble in this life? I'm sure. It doesn't matter. It's not about personality. It's not about how old you are. It's not about your sex. It's not about any of those things. It's about your willingness in your heart. We're all on equal footing in that, you see? That's what those disciples in Acts 2 were doing, if you remember. Remember in the chapter 1, what were they doing? They were following their master's orders. They were submissive. They were not self-willed. Listen, they made sacrifices. They were there in Jerusalem waiting for the event. They'd given themselves over and said, God, take me and use me. And boy, did he. You have to empty yourself of self. When you do that, you'll taste the power of God's Spirit filling you up. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. In today's message, we learn that being filled with the Holy Spirit is vital to the Christian life. The alternative would be to live life in the flesh. Who wants to go back to that? Pastor Tom taught us in today's message that the Holy Spirit is always ready to fill us. All we need to do is be available. Do you want to be filled? Are you open and ready to receive all that He wants to do in your life? Just submit yourself to Jesus and He'll do the rest. If you enjoyed today's message on Discover Hope, we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. That's 443-200-HOPE. We'd also like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating to this ministry to help us expand the reach of the gospel. You can give securely online at hopebible.org. Do you live in the area of Columbia, Maryland? If so, you're invited to become part of our Sunday morning gatherings here at Hope Bible Church. Join us for a morning of Bible study, worship, and fellowship. Find out more by visiting our website. Again, that's hopebible.org. So far, we've learned about the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit, but there's still more for us to know. Join us next time as Pastor Tom continues to explore what the Word of God teaches us about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. We'll soon learn about what it means to have the Holy Spirit indwell us and what that means for us today and for our future. Thanks for tuning in today for Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit HopeBibleChurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.